0: Thank you, Cassie, very much. Um, and for the, for the Spanish lesson, I learned a new Spanish word today. That's great. <laughs> um, so uh, it's, it's just like kind of doubly excited. I look forward to Sundays when um, I have an opportunity to kind of see screenfuls of faces, and, uh, but uh, really looking forward to seeing more faces um, in person, six feet away it'll uh, be great uh, i also want to say happy birthday to suzanne uh she is uh such a uh, she's she's a real quiet shy person and so this is really um this is really putting her in an awkward position right now but uh hey happy birthday suzanne uh thirty nine way to go awesome that is that's great so um so it has been quite a Quite an adventurous uh, few hours for many of you, but thank you for uh, for this uh, for gathering together. If you are looking behind me and you are thinking, "My goodness, Gary has a really hard time finishing projects at home," um, that you are you are right. This ladder has been here for weeks, uh, but no, I, it has nothing to do with the projects that I have not completed here at the house. Um, A few weeks ago, we looked at a story in Genesis. It was a story of a young man named Jacob, who has a vision of a ladder that extends from heaven to earth. And in this vision, there were angels ascending and descending on this ladder. And Jacob has an encounter with the divine, with God himself. It was a touch point between heaven and earth, between uh, Jacob and God. And in those times, something like that was very rare. But as we continue reading the Bible, we see that God is always coming down to meet his people. Uh, He is the God who is continually coming to us. And of course, there's no greater example of this, of course, than Jesus giving up his heavenly rights to walk this earth as one of us. And before he ascended back to heaven, after his resurrection, he gave us the promised Holy Spirit to be with us. So again, God with us, uh, not just with us around us, but his Holy Spirit, God in us, coming to us. And God is, uh, this is kind of the point, uh, one of the main points that we've tried to revisit with this latter illustration week after week. God's not teasing us by saying, if you are good enough, then you can come up to me. If you are good enough, then you can make it into a relationship with me. um, It is God's way of saying, I love you and I am continually coming to meet you where you are. And so these divine touch points or ladders, as we've referred to them, are everywhere. Um, In Marin, though a place that is not known for reverence for God necessarily is actually a place bursting with God's presence and activity. And so we want to develop the eyes to see where God is breaking through from heaven to earth, from heaven to Marin. Do we have the eyes to see the ladders? And do we have the will to interact with God as he comes to us in the everyday of Marin life? And so we're going to actually really um, uh, practice that in a couple of ways. Um, in just a few moments, um, there was one, uh, picture in particular that, uh, we've, we've been including some images of ladders and Larry sent one earlier this week. And when I saw this picture, I thought, my goodness, what an amazing, um, can you imagine if this were your encounters with the divine? Um, if there were this many ladders, and maybe, I don't know, I, I envision this in a couple of ways, just using my imagination. Um, it's, it's almost like there, there's, what if every spot in Marin was like this, where God is continually coming to us to show love to us? Or what if these are ladders that he has stored in heaven, and he has specific times that he's going to pull those out, and he's going to try and meet you? Anyway, my mind went, I went crazy with all those all those ladders um, and what that could mean for us. So Larry, thanks for sending that one um, that one in. And uh, and then last week uh, I showed uh, this ladder that's on a trail. It was uh, actually it's a trailhead right there uh, by the cricks um, and their house out in Novato. And and it was a touch point that fits uh, today's biblical account as as two disciples encounter Jesus while they were on a trail, a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And it's the, it's the story that we looked at uh, last week, and we're going to kind of do a part two with it this week. Um, so as a reminder, before we jump into this, this passage, as a reminder, the event that we're about to read took place on the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. So it took place on a Sunday, but not just any Sunday. It took place on the Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, though he was raised from the dead and he had begun to make himself uh, visible to some people in particular, uh, the ladies, uh, the women who were there in that garden tomb area, the two disciples in this story, Cleopas and an unnamed disciple, are not aware that Jesus was alive. So if you could imagine, Um, they are, they are having this conversation with Jesus, but they don't know that it is Jesus. For some reason, he was kept from, uh, being recognized by them, at least at first. So in Luke 24, beginning in verse 13 says, now that same day, that resurrection day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So if I were to ask you, who is the one voice? If you were in a crowded room, everybody's talking, um, whose voice is the one voice that you know you could always pick out? Whose voice is the one that you could always pick out, and and I think what we what we have um, that would be pretty obvious. Either you're thinking of a really distinct voice, or you're thinking of someone that you know specifically really well, um, someone whose voice you've heard all of the time, and so you you've, you've kind of tuned in your ears to someone like that. Um, Beth's grandma uh, and grandparents lived in Port Charlotte, Florida, for the longest time. It was one of our favorite places when we lived in St. Louis uh, to go down there um, before we had kids, and then with the kids. Uh, but one thing that was <laughs> that uh, was challenging for me was how many times I was startled uh, by how loud things were there. Um, Beth's <laughs> Beth's grandma was very hard of hearing, and so their television was turned up to this incredibly high decibel. And even though they used uh, the uh, the scrolling words across the bottom, uh, the television was still really, really loud in this tiny little house that they had in Florida. And then on top of that, um, Beth's grandma had this phone that sat right next to her recliner that the ring was not like a phone telephone ring. It was like... A tornado siren or a hurricane siren and so I'd be sitting there listening to the television actually I could be outside and still be listening to the television but um, I would be sitting there in another room and another chair in that same room listening to the television and every time that phone rang I jumped I never got used to it it was so loud And so, imagine all of this going on, television super loud, every once in a while the phone is making this crazy noise, um, everybody's having to talk extra loud just to be heard, and in the midst of all that, I hear Beth's grandma say, oh, Marvin's home, and I looked over at her and I said, no, I, I think he's still at the office, Marvin is Beth's grandpa. And she corrected me and, and said, no, I, I heard the garage door go up. He's here. And I thought to myself, you, you, there's no way. But she corrected me and, and, and I'll be doggone if she wasn't right. The automatic garage door was whisper quiet, but she was so attuned to hearing that sound that she was aware the the instant that her husband came home. To this day, that still amazes me that she was able to hear that sound. And so here's the the application that I want to make. I want to be that familiar with the sound of Jesus' voice and his presence. In the loud clamor of life, I want to know when Jesus draws near. How do I know that? Well, I think the lesson is learned from Beth's grandma. Get this, I think we, we are called to enter into a covenant relationship with the one who comes to us, the one whom you love, and we daily anticipate time spent with him. And this doesn't happen right away, but over time, you can grow familiar with Jesus' voice. To recognize the ladders, we need to become familiar with Jesus' voice. And I don't mean an audible sound here, but we become familiar with his voice by daily reading scripture, by having ongoing conversations with God. Prayer is communicating and communing with God. And I use those two words, that's a, a definition that I learned from Ruth Haley Barton. Uh, she says that prayer is communicating and communicating, and when we think, uh, and communing, communicating is kind of when we're using our voice, but communing is, uh, is what we do when we sit in silence together, uh, when we are together with someone, but um, we sense each other's nearness and closeness and the love that we share even without words. So prayer is communicating. Sometimes we are speaking, but it's also just communing with God. And the more time you spend in prayer and reading scripture, the more attuned to God's voice you become, the more readily you can discern whether that voice, that impression in your mind and thoughts is from God or not. And so as we go through life here in Marin or wherever you find yourself, could it be that there are these latter encounters all around us? Uh, but we need to just fine-tune our voices. Could we, could we be, even in our heart of hearing state that we are in, could we tune our hearing to, to hear even just that slightest indicator that, that the one we have entered into a covenant relationship is home, is near, and this is a time for us to connect? So I talked about different ladder-evoking conversations last week and how we can learn from Jesus, um, how we can um, engage in conversations that are con- conducive for us to find God in our midst. And I want us to uh, kind of continue with that, and maybe even this afternoon as as we gather informally at the park, that there will be some times when we in, are in in conversations and we sense God in our midst. The first thing that I wanna touch on this morning is that ladder evoking conversations take place with amazing people. I wanna emphasize the word amazing. So skipping down a few verses in our story, we continue the story. Uh, Jesus has invited the two hikers, Cleopas and the unnamed disciple to share what events had taken place that resulted in them feeling troubled and hopeless. Now, of course, Jesus knew what events had taken place. They were concerned and troubled because they knew of Jesus' death, but they were not aware of the resurrection. Yet he gave them space to be open and honest in that way. So picking it up in verse 22, they said, In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Now, this is, this is guy talk, but sometimes you will hear guys say, dude, the women were amazing. Um, that's not the kind of uh, amazing women that is being talked about here. So I want us to kind of reframe the way we think about amazing, if that was on your mind. Sorry if I planted a seed (laughs) of thinking about amazing that you weren't thinking. But um, amazing in this context has nothing to do with the way we would typically say that someone is amazing. It has nothing to do with social status, income, looks, ability, education, accomplishments. Those are the things that we would kind of think, oh, that really stands out. That person is amazing. The women here that the disciples were talking about, the women were amazing. And what made them so amazing was their encounter with the resurrected Christ. The amazing people in your life are those who have witnessed firsthand The resurrection of new life, new beginnings, and freedom. These are people who were dead and are now themselves alive in Christ. These are people who have experienced, not just from a head knowledge that Jesus died and resurrected, but they realize that that new life is still being offered today, and they have tasted of a new life, a new way of living. Those are amazing people. So two Sundays ago, I'm sitting outside in the backyard uh, with some other guys over at the Kaplan's and uh, Barry is there. I don't know how many of you know Barry. Uh, Barry may or may not be with us this morning on this Zoom call, but Barry began to share some of his story with us. And, And some of you are very familiar with this story. For me, it was kind of hearing some of it for the first time. And it was the story of his resurrection experience of coming to life in Christ, how he gave his life to christ and and how all things in his life became new, and it left me amazed and in particular, have you ever met someone and when you find out that they had a past, it's almost hard to fathom you meet someone who is say they're just beautiful inside and out, or who is filled with a pure love and kindness or who exudes strength and wisdom. But then you find out that their life hasn't always been characterized like that. It's nearly impossible to imagine them in that old way of life. Well, that's a testament to the resurrecting work of Christ. What was dead has been brought to life, and it's richly depicted in the act of baptism. Maybe you've seen it, uh, maybe you've witnessed Uh, a baptism by immersion in water. Um, But baptism is an outward sign of an inward decision. It's basically saying I am aligning with the death of Christ. I'm going to die to the old self centered way of living and bury that former life. And I'm going to trust God to raise me into a new way of living as he uh, created me to experience. And as I was hearing Barry talk about just what his life used to be like And then comparing that to this new life that he is living now, these 30 years later after those changes occurred, I was amazed. Once you have spent time with amazing people who are witnesses to a resurrection, you notice a ladder. They've created a touch point between heaven and earth. I'm telling you, what was just kind of a group of us hanging out in the captain's backyard, that was sacred space right there. There was a ladder. There was this, there was this encounter um, of the divine. I knew that God was with us, and he was making himself known through Barry's story. So to encounter these things, associate with people who know Jesus risen and alive. Some of you, you have your own story like Barry. You, um, you've experienced that life change. And I think it's really important for you to realize that that's what makes you amazing, that God has resurrected you and given you hope. And, you know, hearing Barry's story gave me hope that the stubborn habits I have formed can be transformed, that the God who brought Barry to life can also bring me to life. That's why I love hearing your story, because it inspires me. Others need to hear your story. And so maybe this afternoon, part of what we do and, and hanging out, yeah, we'll probably talk about thunder or lightning that we heard during the night, but I hope we also open up and share our stories um, that we just, in a real informal way, say, hey, there's been a tremendous change in my life, and I think we'll experience some ladders right there. Um, Now there's one reason in particular why sharing your story is really important and let's keep reading in Luke and you'll kind of see what I mean here. In Luke 24 verse 25 Jesus says to them and they've they've just kind of been describing how distraught they are, how their world has fallen apart because they had put all their hope in this Messiah who died. But that's as far as they know that's the end of the story and he says... How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So these latter evoking conversations, they begin when people, amazing people, share an amazing story. But these latter-evoking conversations also call us out of what could become a self-centered story. And here's what I mean by that. Um, In a real loving way, Jesus kind of spoke truth and called them out. These two people on the Emmaus Road were foolish enough to believe that everything begins and ends with their individual story. They were not releasing themselves fully into everything that the prophets had spoken to experientially believe the big story. So here's what I mean. You're more likely to see a ladder when you engage with conversations, engage in conversations with people who help us step outside of our individual story in order to step into God's big story. In all that's that's taking place right now in our world, um, I think you'll agree it is so easy to complain and to make it all about us. All of the inconveniences, all of the things that are gone wrong, all the ways that you wish things were better. But it's good to have some people in our life who can lovingly call us to the bigger picture, the big story that God is authoring in our midst We all need true friendships, those people that listen, that give us space to vulnerably say, as those disciples did, we had hoped. So it's not like we need to shut our mouths and not complain, it's just in the midst of sharing um, the discouragement, we need those people who um, are asking leading questions like what things, what things have disappointed you, But those same friendships also refuse to let us remain in our individual story. They remind us of the big story inviting us to join in. What is the big story that these people invite us into? Let me give you some examples. There's the big story taking place right now of a loving God who is at work to redeem our world. Let's not forget that big story that's taken place. God has not stopped working ceaselessly to redeem our broken world. Another big story is that you and I were called to do good works. That's a part of his big story, that he is calling you and I in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through in Ephesians, that you were created. He tells us in Ephesians, you and I were created and called to do good works, What's this big story that he's inviting us to? In the big story, he reminds us that suffering precedes glory, that crosses precede crowns, that there is life after death. That's the big story. And the big story is that whatever it is you're going through is not the end of your story. We need people who are great listeners, who enter into our individual stories, but who also invite us to see the big story of the loving God who's redeeming our world, who's called us to good works, who modeled for us that suffering does take place, but it leads to the glory. What we are going through is not the end of our story. So these latter-evoking conversations when we are in the midst of them, we're going to find ourselves not wanting these things, these moments to end. Listen to this in verse 28 of Luke 24. As they approached the village, so here they were, they're coming to the conclusion of this seven-mile hike along this dusty trail, and Jesus continued on as if he were going to go farther But they urged Jesus strongly, and they said, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with him. So were they saying, really, Jesus, well, they didn't know at this point that it was Jesus, but were they saying to the stranger, hey, it's getting kind of late, could be kind of dangerous out there, stay with us? No, they were saying, stay with us, because there was something amazing that was taking place. They didn't want that experience to end. When our time with others is centered around Jesus, and we recognize Jesus in our midst, we'll not want our time together to end. A a faith community or just a strong group of men or women that gather together on a regular basis over the long haul, it's not because they finally found the right curriculum to come together. Um, It's not because they they did cool icebreakers and fun activities. The glue that holds them together are their hearts that are burning from these touch points of heaven to earth. That's the only power strong enough to keep us together. And I want us to experience that right now. And we're gonna go, this is gonna sound interesting, um, but I want us to right now, Uh, to go on a walk together. You're not going to leave the spot where you are, uh, but the purpose for this is for our heart to have a chance to burn with the presence of Jesus. And we're going to walk our own Emmaus Road. And we're going to walk this, it's going to be an imaginary prayer walk, is what this is going to be. So I want you to, to settle in where you are, Get comfortable, not so comfortable that you fall asleep, of course. Um, and I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. If you feel like, okay, there's a whole bunch of eyes looking at me on the screen, you are, are welcome to, to pause the video portion. You don't have to um, because we'll all have our eyes closed. Um, but I just say that uh, to help you settle in and to use your imagination. And so let me kind of guide you. And there'll be um, a couple of moments where where things are, I'm going to allow things to get quiet for maybe up to a minute. I don't want you to think that your computer froze or you lost your internet connection, we're going to have some time of silence, Um, but I want you to settle in. And with your eyes closed, I want you to picture a nearby trail. It could be the trailhead that was depicted with that that ladder that um, I showed you just a few moments ago. It could be your favorite trail. But I want us to, on that trail, let's go for a walk. And to begin with, you're, you're walking alone or maybe um, you're with someone else that's on this a Zoom call. But off in the distance, you notice someone who begins walking towards you on that same trail. And using your imagination as that individual draws closer, You can tell they look familiar, but you can't quite make out who they are until this person greets you. And when this person greets you, you realize, I mean, you are convinced that person is Jesus. Jesus has met you right there on that trail. Take a moment and notice, how would you imagine that you greet one another right there? How do you and Jesus greet one another? Is it awkward? Is it like a friendship that's being renewed? Is it, a, is it a hug? Are you wearing masks and you stay socially distanced? Do you fall flat on your face in worship? Do you jump up and down and scream and shout and start laughing? Are you embarrassed? Maybe you feel right at home. Just imagine, what's that like on that trail? You've just encountered Jesus. You and Jesus, you walk together. And he initiates a conversation with you, very similar to what he did with Cleopas and the unnamed disciple. And he said, tell me what's happening in your life. He says, tell me about this road that you're on in life. And you're prompted at this time, maybe you talk about the place that you're walking away from, the disappointments and the shattered dreams. Or maybe you talk about the new place that you're walking to with hope. You can be honest about the road you're on this season that's maybe left you discouraged or maybe even feeling hopeless or surprisingly at peace. He knows you're on an Emmaus road. You're in this season between the realities of the now that exist before the not yet of a promised hope and future. So take a moment. I'm gonna give us about one minute in silence and begin to tell Jesus what is going on in your life. Talk to him about this road. And now, Jesus, being uh, just a great listener, he wants to invite you into the divine story, the big story. And again, just uh, sitting quietly, I want you to listen and tune the ears of your heart to hear what Jesus might want to say to you this morning. You've shared with him, he's a great listener. But take just a moment. Again, we'll offer about a minute or so of silent conversation between you and Jesus. Listen as Jesus tells you, maybe, maybe you need to hear him say that he's not forgotten you. Maybe you need to hear Jesus remind you that he is alive and well, and therefore so are your hopes. Maybe it's something different, but in the silence of this next minute. Just invite Jesus to speak to you, to impress on your heart what he would like to say to you this morning. Before the two of you continue your walk, you and Jesus, uh, before the two of you go maybe your separate ways on the trail, imagine this. Um, Jesus hands you bread and a cup. Um, with your eyes open now, would you, would you grab that, that bread and the cup that you have for communion? And imagine that Jesus has just offered you this bread and this cup. And we say this a lot, that when we partake of the bread and the cup, we do so, as Jesus says, to remember his death. But I want to remind us that this is also a way for us to identify with his death. This is a way that we enter into the big story with God. We identify with a death that precedes new life. Listen to these words of Paul in Philippians. Philippians 3, verses 10 and 11, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. In other words, Paul is saying, I want to have an amazing story where I trust myself and kind of bury some of that old stuff so that he can bring some new things to life. And so as we take of the bread and the cup, as we remember his body offered for us and his atoning blood shed for us, it's our way of identifying with not just the power of his resurrection, but participating in his sufferings. Let's remember and identify, and let's take this together right now. I'm going to pray for us, and Jane and Jonathan are going to lead us into what I think is such a a powerful and hope-filled song that I, I just I pray that that song will really fuel us um, for this afternoon and for this week ahead. Father, um, thank you so much that as challenging as things might be um, for us individually or for our world, for our country, uh, oh, you are still at work. This is not the end of the story. Um, Lord, I want to say thank you for the amazing people that I am sharing this, uh, this prayer with right now. Um, thank you for the amazing stories. These people in this just crazy year of getting to know some of them, hearing their stories and seeing um, just the great work that you are doing in them, thank you for the privilege I've had of 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 getting to know them and their stories. Um, And Jesus, I wanna say thank you for your story. Thank you for your story that did not end in the grave, but led to resurrection and new life and unending hope. I pray this in the name of the risen Christ, amen, amen.